In the name of Christ Jesus, our Good Shepherd, Amen. As you well know, sinful, fallen, broken desires can twist, change, and distort the truth to such an extent that truth disappears altogether. There's a film about three police officers who are trying to serve a murder, a homicide case in 1953, that proves that this can happen. And in a subplot of the movie, hoodlums have had a scuffle with some officers of the LAPD, and they suffer minor scrapes and bruises in the process. They're sent home to recover. But news spreads about this event, and details get exaggerated. As the word spreads, the exaggeration spreads. And the drama with each telling becomes more and more. By the time that other officers bring the suspects in, the truth, cops with minor scrapes and bruises, has been lost and replaced with something far different. Minor scrapes and bruises now has become one officer lost an eye and the other one is on his deathbed. The cops already being worked into a frenzy find these suspects, bring them in, and begin beating them for something that never even happened to the extent that is said. Why? In a desire to feed the sinful flesh. To feed the sinful nature, truth is lost. Now I tell you that to tell you this. Even for those in the church, even for those in the church, the desire to feed the flesh, to indulge the sinful nature, can shape and form God's truth into something of our own making. Until truth no longer exists. Thanks be to God for Jesus. Thanks be to God for Jesus, our good shepherd, who leads us into all truth. Who leads us into all truth. To salvation found only in Him through His cross and empty tomb who reveals, unpacks, explains, and proclaims God's will and ways, even when it's unpopular, even when the sinful nature of mankind wants to transform God's Word into their Word, Jesus shepherds His people in the truth, in God's truth. And not only that, He passes on the faith. He passes on the faith, the true faith to His followers, so they can then pass that on to others. One of these followers was Paul, as you well know. And if you look at today's reading from Acts 20, you see there's some urgency there. There's some urgency. Paul has deep and abiding concern for the church in Ephesus, for God's people in Ephesus. Because the Spirit had revealed to Paul that imprisonments and afflictions awaited him. Yet Paul's concern is not for himself. He's not worried about himself. 
His concern is what's going to happen to the people at Ephesus. Shepherding God's people in God's Word, right? His concern is passing down the faith that he himself had received from Christ. The most important thing, it's the thing that we as Missouri Synod Lutherans just hammer each and every week. And we have to. Because it's the central teaching of Christianity. And that's justification by grace through faith. The central teaching of the church. What does this mean? Justification means God has declared you to be righteous. To be perfect before Him. Not based on anything that you have done. By grace. God's undeserved favor given through Christ. God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace. Through faith. Through the God-given ability, the Holy Spirit-given ability to trust God and His Word. His Word. And His Word in its entirety. Because after all, all God's ways, all God's ways, not good and right and just and perfect, yes, they are. But the problem is, sinful, fallen, broken human desires can change the truth to such an extent that truth disappears, even in the church. More and more and more, we are falling prey to a lie. That God's commands don't matter at all. And so you hear people saying like, yeah, I believe in Jesus, but I don't need to go to church and observe the Sabbath day. Okay? I don't have to obey godly authority. And not just obey, right? Not just honor godly authority, but love, cherish, serve, and obey those in authority. When's the last time you did that? Happy Mother's Day, right? Hopefully today you'll do it. That I don't need to help and support my neighbor in every physical need. Fifth commandment. A quick look on social media will show you just how far society has abandoned, abandoned, defending our neighbor and explaining everything in the kindest way. It's disappeared. It's gone. The commandments are treated as if they don't matter at all. They don't save us. We should know that, right? We don't rely on the commandments for salvation. But, they are still God's will. God's will for our lives, for our good. We need to hear what Jesus has to say about these things, right? Jesus emphasizes that He didn't come to abolish the law or the prophets, but came to fulfill them. Listen to his language. For truly I say to you, until heaven and pass away, not a, not a iota, not a dot, not a jot, not a tittle, not a comma, not anything will pass away until it is accomplished. Whoever relaxes at least one of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least. Did you hear his language? Whoever relaxes one of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great. 
We also know that Jesus told His disciples, Go therefore, make disciples. How? Baptizing. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit for that Spirit-laden gift of faith. And teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always to the very end of the age. In other words, till my return. My physical return, right? Without remainder. Paul's approach in Acts 20 mirrors Christ's approach. When Paul realizes, hey, I'm probably not coming back to Ephesus, he hands over the congregation to elders, and it's different from the elders that we have now, to shepherds, pastors, within the congregation who have been taught and prepared for the task. So listen to what Paul writes. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God which is attained with His own blood, Christ's own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease day or night to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. There are several clues here that help us to see that Paul is talking about faith as believing all of God's Word, right? The central teaching, my salvation comes from Jesus, and Jesus alone, that's it. But God's entire will and ways are important. Paul mentions his position as shepherd, declaring the whole counsel of God to the congregation. Paul mentions admonishing members of the church with tears. Paul mentions sanctification, all right? You have to see sanctification in two different ways. Sanctification is the entire Christian life. That's the broad sense. Faith in Christ and all that the Holy Spirit gives to us and leads us to do. And it can also be seen in the narrow sense. uh, Living according to God's will and ways, right? Sanctification. Holy living. So many times we justify all kinds of behavior and attitudes. Doing things against God's will. I believe in Jesus. Everything's fine. Hmm. I don't know that ever Jesus taught in the Bible, uh, yeah, I've come to save you, so don't worry about the commandments at all. Just do whatever you want. And do it in my name, by the way. Jesus preached repentance, turning away from sin for the forgiveness of sins, right? Leaving that behind. And you'll notice Paul picks up that same thought in Acts 20 today too. Turning away from sin, not embracing it, and turning toward God and His forgiveness in Christ. The Ten Commandments are not the only things that are at stake. Sinful, fallen, broken desires can change truth to such an extent 
that truth disappears altogether, even in the church. And I've heard people say that, you know, we're nitpicky. Little things, we care about little things that don't really matter. But they matter. So I'm going to go down an uncomfortable road today, I'm sorry. But I'm going to go down that road. Today, churches celebrate and embrace open communion. Okay? Homosexuality. Ordaining women to the holy ministry. A view of life that embraces abortion, euthanasia, and other things. But the early church, the apostolic church, you know, the one that started with 12 men that Jesus commissioned to go out and teach and do all those things that He had commanded and to observe them. That church did not embrace any of those things that I just mentioned and a whole host of other things. They did not embrace open communion, homosexuality, women pastors, a, a view of life that embraces abortion or euthanasia, if those things even were there. They taught that the Lord's Supper is the true body and blood of our Lord and Savior. That doesn't represent that it is. These were the universal, universal practice and views of Christendom from apostolic times. From the beginning of the New Testament church. So can that tell us something? Can that tell us something? Should that tell us something? I guess my question for you this morning is, do you trust that Jesus did enough catechesis? That He poured out enough of the Holy Spirit on His followers? Those whom He commanded to go and make disciples? Do we trust that Jesus knew what He was talking about when He passed down the faith? When He passed them down to the apostles? When He passed it down to Paul? Or did Jesus get it wrong? Did Jesus get it wrong? Did the disciples get it wrong? Did the early church have it wrong? Or, could it be something else? Would we rather indulge our own edicts, our own sensibilities, our own opinion, our own ideas? Would we rather do that? I would say markedly yes. One of the great things about the Reformers, you know, well, what about Martin Luther? You know, he kind of changed things, right? He rallied against what was happening in the church. What Martin Luther saw is discrepancies between what was in the Scriptures and what was in the church. Between what was in the Scripture, uh, between what Jesus taught and what the church was teaching. Between what the apostolic church was doing and teaching and what the current church was doing. And so what did he do? He went back to the source. He went back to the source, Christ Himself. And what He had to say from marriage to the Lord's Supper to prayer to whatever, Lucas, uh, Luther's focus was on Christ and His teaching. Christ had it right. I know I don't say it enough. I probably never say it ever. 
but I love you. Believe it or not, I do. I truly do love you and I have concern for you. And more importantly, I want you to know God loves you. But here's the thing. The way that we see love today has changed. The most loving thing someone can do is give you the truth, God's truth. That's how Jesus loves us. He gives us God's Word perfectly. He fulfills God's Word perfectly. He shepherds us, leads us. This way, not this way. This way, not this way. This way. He is God's Word. In the flesh. He shepherds us to walk in His Word. And He teaches and passes that Word down down to the apostles, down to the early church, down through the ages, when things begin to depart from it, beware. My prayer is this. Instead of praying, my will be done, we do well how to pray how Jesus taught us to pray. Thy will be done. We do well to pray for shepherds who love us, who refuse to shrink from the truth that Christ Himself passed down. We do well to insist that God conform us to His Word, not that we conform God to our Word. As we pass down the faith, brothers and sisters in Christ, for you mothers out there, as we pass down the faith, we do well not to encourage our kids, just form your own opinions. Decide for yourself. Please don't do that. Point your children to Jesus and His Word. He was not only a good teacher. He was God in the flesh. The Word of God in the flesh. Jesus had it right. Amen. May the God of peace who bought again that debt from the dead, our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do as well, working in you that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.